All right, welcome to Games Overboard. I'm PJ. I'm Dan. I'm Shanana. <laughs> and today we are with Jason Blake, designer of Seismic. How you doing? Hey, how are you guys? We are good. We're having a great day. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Besides technical difficulties. Yeah, no worries, no worries. It's been a crap week. I'm just done. Like, it's I'm it's, just it's done. been a month for us, really. Yeah. Uh, yes, and it's only the fifth. Oh, well, I mean, like from I know from February. Yeah, yeah, our our three year old was in the hospital actually. Oh my god! Yeah, he got like the worst version of COVID you could imagine. You so spent a week oh. in there. Holy it's, cow! It's been fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've got 11-year-old twins, so uh, actually they're 12. They just turned 12 a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I got 12-year-old twins, boy and a girl. So it's it's wow. fun. Oh, I, you, have I, the, you have the million-dollar family. Nice. That's right. Yep. It was a buy one, get one free deal. Yeah, soon be 12-year-olds. Oof. Right. That's something. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't. <laughs> That's Anywho. great. So we're here today to talk about what, PJ? Oh, we already talked about that, but we'll yeah, do your again. upcoming Kickstarter. That's right. So yes. uh, when is, are we expecting to see this game hit? Do you have a date yet? Well, sort of. I uh, We're very, very close. I'll tell you that. We actually have not made an official announcement yet, but it's probably yeah. going to be mid-April. The problem okay. is right now we're keeping things kind of flexible just because there's you know, March and April and May are very, very big months for Kickstarters, particularly with the yeah. big companies. And so I'm just me. So I want to I want to kind of slip in there somewhere uh -huh. where I'm yeah. still uh, able to breathe with my Kickstarter. I don't want to be like I up think like yours box. is like fun. Like Peter was showing me all this stuff about it. Like, I you think yours is going to be like something awesome in comparison <laughs> to an awesome Kickstarter. Something special. Well, I hope. <laughs> I hope that's the that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like a lot of people have said, like when I asked, like when's the date, and um, it's always like we're hoping for it to be at this time, you know. Uh, but it's not, it's not dissimilar from the movie industry, you know. It's uh, when when all the studios decide their their movies. Uh, yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. <laughs> So um, the idea is, is all of the um, all of the movies get set dates and then these dates, yeah. you know, are, are gone throughout the year. And of course, during COVID, we saw this for the very first time uh, during the entire COVID area. Dates shifted all over the place because they were trying to figure out the, the amount of money they had to, to work with was so minimal because the audiences were so small. They all had to move dates around like crazy. This is not dissimilar from what happens on Kickstarter. You know, everybody right. kind of puts in these these little, you know, uh, you know, temp dates, and then all the other companies look around and go, mm, okay. And then <laughs> guys like me, I'm just like trying to find one little opening in a week that just goes, yeah, okay, yeah. That's my week. I'm going for it, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. You know, you guys, the the smaller uh, productions and everything, have a a much harder time at that because you it's only you or a small team of people and you're putting things together where like the movie industry, you get these bigger companies that are like, we're putting it out. Yeah. Companies like, who don't need Kickstarter. Yeah, who don't need the Kickstarter. Like we're, we're putting it out on this date. And just like the movie industry, you go, Oh, but it's not ready yet. We haven't finished too bad. You only have this amount of time. To So yeah, let's jump into our first big question that we like to ask people is uh how how are like how is the campaign going? The well the pre-campaign of this point, like how 
um, what kind of struggles have you had or what kind of obstacles that you thought would be difficult, but were surprisingly easy that like, you know, came about? You know, I, I am I am sure that I'm probably not a normal case. Have I got, a, <laughs> you know, have I got a lot of info for you? Um, the the whole the whole thing has been pretty crazy. I started the game back in 2017, and um, I, I'm not kidding you. When I looked at all these games, I've played all these games my whole life, and I thought, okay, why why you know why are these games always having a lot of the same problems or a lot of the same you know what I what I feel are are things that are issues with certain kinds of games. And you know I played uh, the big dudes on a map style games, you know things like Kemet, Eclipse. Um, you know, even some of the new Awakened Realm stuff like um, uh, Lords of Hellas, and then you get into area control like Blood Rage or Ankh or, or even Rising Sun. So, you know, all, all these games are amazing, right? But a lot of the games have similar problems, in my opinion. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make a game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a game and fix all these problems. <laughs> I was so arrogant in the beginning because I thought, oh, I'll make a game in like a month. This is how hard is this? <laughs> It's basically just math with graphics. I mean, that's you know, it's a spreadsheet with art on front on the front of it. But that was so far from the truth. I, I cannot I cannot even begin to tell you. You know, I um I I had what I thought was kind of a working you know model in in about three months, and most of my friends were just like, "This is garbage. You need to you <laughs> go away." True friends, true friends will tell you right out when it's crap. But let me tell you, you know, that is the best thing. And that is one of the pieces of advice I can I can tell um, anybody who's working on any creative project. It, it really not just board games, but any creative project. You absolutely need the the friends who are not yes men. You know, you, yeah. you the biggest problem in this industry is you got family you got friends and everybody's like oh good job man that's a I, yeah <laughs> good that's, a, that's a good game all right you should go to kickstarter no <laughs> that's the problem with the industry so um my friends are uh, you know and i've been friends with them many many years um all, all of my friends i've been friends with 20 plus years and so i, I have a fairly large group of, of people um that you know they're programmers and engineers and software guys and you know these are these are not just you know dummies that are just gonna be like oh that's a good game you know i, I played Catan last week yours is better it's this is <laughs> they're there's they're looking at games the way i look at games and you know i'm i'm wanting to you know i'm wanting to make something that actually adds to the industry not just another me too title or not just another yeah. oh i'm gonna make a worker placement i'm gonna make a deck builder i said i want to set out to fix problems to to introduce new ideas and do things that actually are stand out in the industry. And of course, I think everybody has that mindset, but how often is that truly realized? You know, I mean, you guys obviously all the games that you've played and everything you've backed, you know, these days it really is tough, I think, to stand out, you know, how yeah. many games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to ask you about some of that stuff when we get to that, but keep going with your story first. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, just the, the <laughs> To, to you know, make a long story short on all this, which is too late. The um, <laughs> the, problem, the problem I think is, um, you know, I I have seen an unbelievable number of problems in getting to this point that I never thought that I would have dealt with. In fact, I thought from from 2017 to now was supposed to be the fun part. 
it has been exceptionally difficult. And and I can, I, I mean, the laundry list of things I could go over is way longer than this podcast will ever cover. But <laughs> but there there is a there's a, a lot of interesting things. But we can we can get to some of that as we as we uh, go through mm. some of your questions. Yeah, that's something. Uh, our first video interview we did was with John Garcia of Table Golf Association and. Uh, one of the questions Dan asked him was like, what do you recommend to first time designers? He goes, don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because that's what I what I got um, when I was asking people what, you know, I, I, I'm an actor. What do you what would you suggest for actors? Don't do it. If you can do something <laughs> else, do that instead. <laughs> people ask about teachers. What, what do you think we should teachers? No, don't. <laughs> you know, this is actually... Yeah, this is a sad thing. I, I used to be, uh, you know, a, a hardcore like video game guy. Like I didn't do board games a whole lot. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I did board games growing up, but, you know, it was like around the 90s and, and 2000s. Of course, I'm, I'm in my late 40s. We'll call it mid late 40s. So uh, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I played tons of PC games before consoles really started coming of age. You know, yeah, I felt yeah. like the the 360 and the, and the PS3 really were about the first time when I was like, okay, these start, you know, seeming like they're a little better than the PC, at least when it comes to multiplayer. So yeah, I really yeah. got into that and I kind of shifted from the PC over to consoles just because of the, you know, the the ease of being able to find multiplayer and the lack of cheating and some of the things that, you mm -hmm. know, like the, the PC platform. I'm still a, I'm still a big digital gamer as well, but I mean, I, I really gravitate towards analog now, mm -hmm. but the, you know, the thing is on that same topic, when I had kids and I had wanted to be in the video game industry, I wanted to be a video game designer. I mean, doesn't everybody, you know, when you're in your you <laughs> oh, know, yeah. teens, yeah, early twenties, yeah. everybody's like, oh, I'm going to make a video game. It, it was <laughs> particularly in the nineties, it was kind of the wild west in the video game industry. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I can go and do this. I, I just, you know, I looked into it. I read about it. I started following all the different industry insider stuff. And the more I learned, the more I was like, this is a horrible industry. <laughs> you know, there is <laughs> so many things that you don't want to get involved in. And so as I got older and I met more people who had gotten burned out and bailed out of the video game industry, I had other other parents who were kind of my age, whose kids were coming up into teenage years and they were going to they were going to forego college to go to video game school, you know, like uh a full sale in Florida or, you know, one of these other yeah. big video game colleges. And I, you know, parents would ask me like, Oh, Hey, you know, all this stuff about, it, you know, and do it. what, what can you recommend for my, for my son or my daughter to go and do this? And I'm like, exactly. What you said, don't, don't do try. not do this at all. Run, go find a normal job. If you want to make a video game, mod something for fun, get it out yeah. of your system. If you really still want to do it after that, then be my guest, but have something to, to fall back on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, so that industry is just as ruthless as the entertainment industry in general. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, you, when it comes to crunch time, uh, crunch time is the worst you're putting in, you know, 80 oh, plus sorry. hours. I'm playing the world's smallest violin. I can't hear it. I'm deaf. Remember how many um, times we said, take a double major, Dan, take a double major, Dan, you know, <laughs> But, uh, you know, you, you know, I still have a lot of good qualities, you know, thanks to acting. OK, yeah, you okay. have one. And her name's Angie. Hi, Angie. All right. Besides <laughs> my you. girlfriend, uh, you know, I, I, I can do public speaking better than most people. You okay. did, you did a good okay. choice. You made a good choice. Yeah, anyway, but yeah, when it comes to like crunching and everything uh, for that, it's they work you to death. And then a lot of times they don't get paid. We're over budget. 
Absolutely. Where's the money going to go? Well, we've already spent it. You're done, but you didn't finish your job. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Like, if you did that, for, if you did that for a contractor. Oh yeah. My gosh, nothing <laughs> will get done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is about a board game, Dan. That's okay because we are on the subject of Vigima games at the moment. Vigimate games? D- that's what I, I like said. Vegemite. Moving on. Well, yes, really on I really don't think you like Vegemite. That stuff I is actually, rancid. I love Vegemite. Fun fact. So segueing into size. Yes. Away away yeah. from Australia. No, One of your big I had a question before oh, okay. <laughs> How did you get into board gaming? Like I know you mentioned like you played that, but like board gaming is different than playing video games. So when did you get into like the hobby? This? Yeah, so the, and again, I don't know how old you guys are, but like I said, I'm, I'm a little, uh, probably quite a bit older, I'm guessing, so. We're in, we're 36. I, thir- we're all 36. Okay. Well, no, going him. to be 36. Gotcha. All right, well, I'm, I'm 40, uh, I will be 49 in May, so okay. uh, 48. I got into board gaming way back in the 80s. The first game that really made an impact on me was a, a game called Thunder Road. And Thunder Road was actually a Milton Bradley game of all things, but it was, it is still, I think, kind of out of, uh, it was an, it was an anachronism for the time. It really did seem more like a modern game than what, you know, obviously Milton Bradley mm-hmm. and all that was putting out at the time. And of course, you know, little by little, of course, I was introduced to things like Risk and Axis and Allies as, as things. Oh, yeah, the classics. Forward. Sure, of course. And then, you know, I can always go back to even more classics like Stratego and Battleship and all that. But, you know, as I got a little older and, you know, kids were for, you know, games were for kids. I was like, you know, oh, now I'm going to move into video games or something. So and I, I kind of did and I started doing that. But I think it was and this is not dissimilar from other people. I think it was Catan that pulled me back in in the 90s Interesting. and yeah, usually you know is. and this happens to everybody you know and, mm-hmm. and it was around that time i don't know how that one game suddenly just became so prolific i actually had the german edition <laughs> oh, my, from my local yeah from my local store and a bunch of my friends one of one of my friends had introduced it to me at one of you know just a, a, a party we played it my favorite part was the negotiation part of trading stuff across <laughs> yes. the oh, yeah. yes. it, was the, it was the player interaction that really drove me, you know, into it. That's what I wanted to do. You know, that was the part that I, that spoke to me, the mechanics and all that, eh, you know, there's a lot of luck in Catan, but that was, that was kind of what drew me back. Then I still had kind of a lull for a little while. And the game that really broke me, that just got me back <laughs> in the hobby. And what I blame, I blame it for all of my my financial woes because I've spent money on four games. But um, Eclipse, Eclipse came out in 2010. That completely just just changed everything because it was it was a video game level of complexity, but it had that human interaction. You're sitting across the mm-hmm. table now from people. And, you know, video games are great and you, you can put on your headset and, you know, yell at everybody and everybody's yelling at you <laughs> and it's great. But, but there is so much, there's something different about that tactile feel of sitting at a table with your friends Absolutely. and being yeah. able to just, you know, talk to them and yell at them and, and, and you know, <laughs> uh, right there, right there in front of you. You know, it's just different. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I think it's funny you said the, what, what, really brought you in for Catan was the whole um, bartering and everything and negotiations. My brothers and I, uh, as kids, constantly played Risk. 
And <laughs> that was how we played. Mainly <laughs> my middle brother and I were like, all right, I tell you what, we're going to do a defensive pact. And we're going to, you don't attack me on this side. I won't attack you here, but we'll gang up here at this point and take out my oldest brother. And he's like, I hate you guys. <laughs> and it's funny because we still play risk today and that's still what goes on. And my right. brother is like, I don't, I hate you guys. I'm just going to destroy you all. <laughs> I'm not hey, by the way, to, to, to uh, really drive home the point of your question, um, the, the thing that really, really pushed me back in Eclipse was kind of what drew me back into board games. I started buying some, but speaking of you guys uh, being in, in, uh, in, in furthering education, my wife decided to get her master's degree in 2013. She and I share an office and I'm actually in the office now, but um, she and I share an office. So she was working on her master's degree in education. I'm over here with my headset on yelling at people in call of duty. Or, <laughs> yes. you know, and she's just like, this is not going to work. You've got to do something else. And so really that was, um, that one thing was the catalyst. And I said, okay, guys, look, my wife's yelling at me. I can't, I can't be doing this. And I said, why don't you guys just come over and we'll play something at the dining room table in the other room. She can work on her master's. I, you know, I don't, you know, I can, I can yell at you guys in the other room now. <laughs> and so let's go do that. And so that's where I had Eclipse and I had Dominion and I had, you know, um, uh, Lords of Waterdeep and some of these earlier games at the time. And that's when we just started switching. We, we, it was a, it was, I would say gradual, but really it was almost like basically it went from every night playing video games to a month later, we're like talking about the next board game and when can we play it and when can everybody get together and all of that. And so from 2013 forward, I am so out of the loop on video games right now. I just, you know, I blame nothing but board games, it seems. So <laughs> there, there's familiar. one amazing board game that I think you should try if you have not. It's called Betrayal. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. It's her favorite. It's my favorite. It's wonderful. I have it. I have it. But not the Scooby-Doo one. Do not buy that. I don't have a Scooby-Doo. I actually have the new edition of Betrayal, actually. Um, way, uh... I did an unboxing of that. I may have complained about it yeah, a lot. Really? How, did you, okay. how did you feel about the new box versus the old? I, I actually have not played the new version. I have it on my shelf. I sold my old edition because I no. felt... <laughs> The scenarios are so broken. They're terrible. And I thought they fixed them in the and new that's one. That's why I love it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm sorry. This interview is over. We can't do it anymore. I'm coming back. Don't buy this. Oh, I probably wouldn't. I stay away from no, IP games if I can. This get. is trash. We we haven't even played it. You don't know. Yes, I have looked it over enough to hate it. <laughs> okay. Kids, the kids and I wanted to play it, and we looked at it. We opened it, and I went, "I refuse." <laughs> like, do, do you awesome. see this? Do you see this? Yeah, she just doesn't like Fred for some reason. I don't get yeah, it. She doesn't like the art design. Oh, so you know it's. Scooby oh yeah. Doo. Okay. Yeah, sure. And it's all standees. There aren't any plastic minis yeah, in it. It's trash. No, it's so, for younger yeah. kids so yeah. they don't destroy things. Yeah, they play betrayal true. right away, yeah. and then they learn all about all the fantastic horror movies tropes. Moving on, your game looks phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So segueing into seismic from video games. Uh, first of all, don't you dare write a segue. I will trip you on that thing. I all right, did so, a segue. Um, 
you said a lot of your inspiration came from RTS games like Command and Conquer and uh, Supreme Commander, yes. things like that. Yes. Uh, so how closely does this game feel to an RTS or is it more inspirational? Because, you know, like as gamers, we haven't really seen an, an RTS fully realized. Right. So I feel like that's yeah. your next challenge after this comes out. <laughs> no pressure. Well, I will tell you, so it's hard for me to judge it because, of course, I can't separate the two. For True. me, yeah. Seismic is an RTS on, on a, in a board game form. Now, if I was to sell it that way, I mean, I can I can certainly tell people my inspiration is all these old RTS games that I absolutely love. But does it play like an RTS? It does, in my opinion. Now, I know that other people, um, some people agree, some people don't. It's, um, it is very much action efficiency. It is a race because you're, you're, everybody has the same objective and everybody's trying to achieve that objective in whatever form they can. But the, um, there are so many RTS elements there. And one of the big things that you can draw comparisons between is the different unit types. And each unit type is geared towards its task. That's also how I teach the game is that you've got six different units in the game. You've got miners and miners gather crystal ore. Okay. You know, so that that's the currency, the only currency in the game. Then you've got soldiers. Well, guess what soldiers do? They fight, you know, that's, they're the ones that start, start fights. You've got, um, you've got speakers and the speaker model actually has a flag next to her on the, on the model. She puts out flags on buildings and flags on buildings are control points for influence. She is actually your human resources or your marketing department. She is literally <laughs> zooming out. HR and PR. I like yes, it. Yes, actually, she does. <laughs> yes. And so she's going out across this planet and she's getting colonists to come and work for you to help you build your colony ship to get off the planet. So, um, and then beyond that, you've got a few other units. You've got uh, your power mech, which is basically just a bigger, badder version of the soldier. And you've got your harvester, which is just a bigger, badder version of the, of the miner. So, mm -hmm. Beyond that, your colony ship is your last unit. So your colony ship kind of serves as your base. I don't know if you guys have gotten a, a chance to see the fourth designer diary that I posted on BGG on Friday um, on the seismic. Sure I've looked it over. Maybe so. But I, I go in and I talk a little bit about the, again, another reference to Command and Conquer where you actually had the mobile construction vehicle. Which oh, was, I yes. Did see that. Yep, I did see that. The MCV was, you know, that was the MCV. That, yeah, of course. And so um, in Seismic, your base is basically your, your mobile construction vehicle because that's where everything happens. Everything spawns out of that roving platform and it moves around the, the planet. And it is so massive that every time it moves, it ripples across the whole planet and then collapses the hex that it moves from. So it's, it's just a huge, huge, massive thing. So that yeah, awesome. I like this. I, I really, really want to play this now because yeah, yeah. we were huge into things like um, uh, Red Alert, Red Alert Two. Yeah, Red Alert's our favorite. Uh, yeah, yes, I love Alert it too. Uh, and this man, I I kind of want to boot that up. And Tim Curry, I, and Red Alert Three. I, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I so wanted to call my. Um, I so wanted to call the the crystal ore in the game Tiberium. I, I just couldn't help myself. And in fact, well, yeah. on, I I even called it that just for fun. That you know, <laughs> before I just gave it a generic term. So yeah, yeah. How at what point did you come up with the idea of? Because uh, like your big thing is like to make things feel epic. 
Uh, yeah. And so in order to do that, you have these action cards that let you, like, if you play infantry, like, all infantry move, right? Yes. Yes. So how did that come about? Like, where, what, where's the inspiration for that? So the, one of the biggest problems I have, and of course, this is what I was referring to earlier when I said all these, these other games have what I call problems, you know, yeah. they're not, you know, not problems. <laughs> Clearly these are award-winning games. What do I know? Right. So uh, the, the thing is that I really get frustrated about, and part of, part of board gaming is frustration, right? You, you know, it's always about lack of, of, you know, things you can do or scarcity of resources. I mean, that's the whole point, you know, of, of generally of board games is to try to, you know, try to find all this stuff you need. But what I wanted, um, and of course, this kind of is a reflection of Twilight Imperium. It's a reflection of Eclipse, uh, Kemet, um, you know, a number of these games are, you know, basically they're, they're engine builders in disguise. And so you're, you're building this huge armada or this empire, and then you're going to do, you know, this, this big epic thing. But by the time you get all of your toys, the game ends, you know, I did yeah. yeah. all the time. So, you know, particularly in something like Twilight Imperium, you're working towards your, 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 uh, what do they call it? It's not a Death Star. I always thought we just call it a Death Star, but it's something sun. Um, yeah. Anyway. When I like you get, Death Star. We'll stick with Death Star. Oh, yeah. When you get your little Death Star in Twilight Imperium, almost always it's just going to sit in a hex and it never gets to be put to use. And it, it's just like, it's just so frustrating because I'm like, I finally got all my toys. And it's like, and then, and then the game's in, and I'm like, well, I didn't get to do anything with my toys. So, yeah. so I actually, the original inspiration for Seismic kind of came from the idea of instead of an engine builder, it's an engine destroyer. So what you do, <laughs> what you get from the very beginning is you start off and you've got anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 units on the board right, at, right out of the gate. And so not to mention, of course, your massive, you know, base that's also your colony ship tower from there. And, and the planet is, is completely intact at the very beginning of the game. So as you're playing and the longer the game plays, the more the planet actually starts falling apart. And as you're recruiting units, you're, you're losing units because people are stealing them. They're taking them hostage. Because that's actually how you get <laughs> that's actually how you get the blueprints for the colony ship. So you have to be the first <laughs> to build your colony ship. So I say there's only one currency in the game, which is the crystal ore in the game. But the second kind of uh, discrete currency is other people's units. So when you capture other people's units in a in a combat, you trade them back as a hostage negotiation to get the information on how to build the module they know how to build. So that's the, that's the like real- survive a little it bit. Does. <laughs> it does, it does. You're all looking it like it's survive. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what's crazy. I had never heard of survive um, up until about six months ago. I've been working this game oh, for- What's the years. best? I bought it because somebody had said, oh my God, your game is like, it feels like survive, but like this epic version. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what's survive? <laughs> and they're like, so I escaped from Atlantis. It's you need to play this. a game that like destroys friendships, but in a good way. Yes, <laughs> yes. We have to have it on display, right? Um, um no, because the box always opens up when I put it up on oh, the Oh no, play. it's right here. We're, we're yeah, using you, it. you are oh, on top. You're of on survive. top of it. Okay. I just yeah. I hope you <laughs> <laughs> It's board so, games everywhere, all the way down. <laughs> so I um I bought it about six months ago and I played it and I was like, where has this game been my whole <laughs> 
so if you know my love for survive now after just discovering it survive is what i would call a baby version of seismic seismic is a much bigger version of survive <laughs> I like, I, I like survive this. so much. So oh. I'm just I'm just thinking. Um, I'm reading what I what I got to read uh, just last night. I actually did my research for once. Um, <laughs> I know. Oh my so gosh! Um, it's a Lenten miracle. <laughs> like I, I was really excited, especially when PJ told me about. It. He's like, "Yeah, it's like a it's like a an RTS come to life." I was like, "All right, I'm intrigued." And he showed, you know, he gave me the link, and I'm reading some things. I'm like, I re- okay, I like this. And then hearing you talk about it, I'm just going, "Man, I'm gonna kick your ass." <laughs> From the guy who lost horribly and survived what just last week? When did just, we- just, last just last week. Just last week. I had okay. I I was horrible, but I made sure he was going down with me. Yep. He only got one person on an island. Nice. I got two. <laughs> And Angie and, and she, uh, killed the rest of our people. So yeah, we did. <laughs> that is awesome. It was Angie's first time. The worst part is, like, there may have been some drinking involved on one half of the table, but not for you, and you still lost. I still lost. <laughs> it's the joy of all survive. Oh, okay, okay. I will say, I had I had three of my highest numbered people, which I didn't know until afterwards. Right there. Oh no! And then he moved the, the, sea, serpent. the sea serpent and killed oh. everyone. I was like, bah, 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 bah. they were right there at the dock, ready to be put on the they, island. Just... So happy! <laughs> I got screwed, man. So your game is like survive, but on a different planet and like on yes. steroids. Yes, absolutely. Your artwork's phenomenal. I thought it was yeah, really the cool. artwork. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So yeah. that, is, that is one of the things, by the way, the um, the artwork I had done by a wonderful uh, guy in Poland um, named uh, Zymek Dimitrik. He is uh, fantastic. I'm very pleased with him. Um, but what might be crazy to you guys, depending on, on how many other designers you've talked to out there, but everything else in the game, including the prototypes, the graphic design, even the concept for the minis, I, I actually do 3D modeling as well. The rest Ooh. of the game is all me. I'm the only wow. thing I can do. That's great. Right. That's it, cool. the art. Yeah. So I need to learn that. Yeah. I, <laughs> the designer hand. diaries of you trying to figure out how to make like mini proxies and find <laughs> mini proxies. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Yes. It was terrible. <laughs> so, what do you do in real life? Like, what is your actual job? Oh my gosh. So I work at a robotics company. Okay. And, okay. Uh, oh, that explains everything, right? So I work at a robotics company, but you, not what you think. I, um, I have programmed robots, but it's not my, that's not my forte. I'm not a syntax guy. I'm much more of a visual person. So uh, I do all of our marketing. I do all of our PR. I do some of our HR. I do, um, you know, all of our, um, filming of robots i do all of our audio stuff i do narration i run our youtube channel um and then i do uh and i actually handled my entire it department for all of our family of companies so i've got a couple of people so yeah it's a little left brain and right brain i do all the the creative stuff and the technical stuff so but um before that i actually worked at an ad agency so i i'm proficient in all of the adobe products I do, um, I can do After Effects. I used to be a YouTuber for a long time, so I can do all my own video editing, all my own motion graphics. Um, I've got, you know, of course I've done all my own graphic design in the game, and then I do 3D modeling and 3D Studio Max. And I do that some for my main day job, but I also did it as a hobby. So 
a little bit of everything, but um, I have no college degree. So everything I've done, I have taught myself. And my wife is very mad at me about that because yeah. <laughs> I have many degree. college degrees. <laughs> well, see, that's great. See, you have uh, you have a big leg up from a lot of the people that we've talked to. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them they're still trying to figure out ways to do PR and get themselves out there. Yeah. Marketing uh, yeah. has been a big hurdle John for a Garcia lot of people. John Garcia has yeah. been like the oh, best really? because he had, he's a marketer. By yeah. Trade. That's what John that's what does. He does. So he, now, he now let me tell like you, I have a leg up. Uh, even, even me having knowledge of, you know, marketing and particularly online stuff. The one thing that I actually, because my company does business to business, we don't do business mm -hmm. to consumer. So one of the things that uh, I was very weak on was the social media style of, of uh, marketing. I, I've gotten to a point to where, and I think this partly comes with age, it partly comes from the last few years of COVID and everything else, but I really don't do a whole lot of social media anymore. I just, I just don't, right. you know, I'm just not on a whole lot. So um, I did end up reaching out to a wonderful group of people that I have been working with now for almost a year to get the game to market, and that is Other Stuff Games. Those guys are a marketing and consultancy firm for Kickstarters. So I will absolutely uh, bow down to them and say they are phenomenal. Anybody who is um, who is truly serious, uh, that's the that's the people to talk to. And I know there's a lot of different people out there, but when it comes specifically to board games, RPG stuff, uh, or, or any anything within geekdom, you know the the, the geekdom world. If you're going to Kickstarter, um, those are the kind of people, definitely, if not these specific people you should talk to. Crazy. Okay, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was told by, I think it was John, who that Facebook ads get like a tiny fraction of people. Yeah. But right. he got me and you got me. So ah, well, there you go. It's the <laughs> fraction <laughs> that counts. <laughs> so I'm the weird minority that gets hit by these ads. And I'm like, yes. yeah, what is this? <laughs> we have extremely uh, focused ads and we are um we we have an extremely narrow vision of who we're targeting. So if it found you, you are my target audience, I can assure you. <laughs> We are not scattershotting like a shotgun. We are oh. extremely laser laser focused in on That's board what was on your back. And, uh, <laughs> so it works. I knew you it were special. Really uh, I'm so special. You are. I feel it's seen. Really working. <laughs> First time. <laughs> Somebody loves a lot mixer. Think but not her. There it is. Do you have uh, an estimated price tag for this game yet? Because it looks like a beast for a first uh, oh, yeah. first time yes. designing. Like, this looks like yeah. a beast for the game. Everybody I've shown this game to who knows this is my first Kickstarter is just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you not make a, a card game? You know, this is ridiculous. <laughs> That's okay. So, I see what you're doing. Uh, you're aiming for the stars. Ah, star. Uh... <laughs> Exactly. I guess, I, guess so, I have to leave now. <laughs> you can see yourself out. So, uh, so the um, the thing is, is right now we are playing around with prices that I actually think might shock you for what what you'd get. We are. Um, this is actually one of the hurdles, by the way. Is I was under the impression before I really got deep into this, I was under the impression there was probably five companies in the world that made board games in China. 
that's not true at all. There is like a <laughs> hundred. Wow. Um, the the thing, one of the things I've learned just from my my main day job and being in business is, you know, the the rule of thumb is always go get three quotes, right? Whenever you're you're going to go buy something, go get uh -huh. three. Quotes. I have existing right now. I have fourteen quotes. So um, the problem is, is this industry is so like like crazy because everybody quotes based on what they are very familiar with. So, you know, a plastics company will will give me a great price on plastics and then they're horrible on paper and, and vice versa. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm struggling with right now, and we're only about six or seven weeks away from Kickstarter, maybe less if I, uh, if I can get it. But uh, I actually don't have an exact price yet. All I can tell you is that uh, we are probably going to break the game into a four-player version and a five- to six-player expansion. Because what I want to do is I want to make sure. And a lot of people don't care about the five- and six-player. You know, they, they're only going to ever play four or less. And so one of the things that we decided to do was try to, to make sure that it was affordable for people who want this big, epic experience and this crown jewel of their collection when it comes to quality of components and all that you know the table presence is just nuts and of course i'm I, I mean i love games like that i go all in on these crazy kickstarters i'm a backer just as i mean i've backed over 230 kickstarters myself so i get it and i know what people want i know what people don't like i know where kickstarters have fallen on their face even big companies have fallen on their face in certain ways so one of my one of my things that I want to make sure, and I know everybody again always says this, sounds like a broken record. I want to create the best game out, you know, that I can ever create. And many people go bankrupt doing that. I have to make sure, I have to make sure that it makes sense. I have a day job. This is not my, you know, my bread and butter. I don't have to feed a family off of this game. So the good news is, is I, I have some room, you know, some room to play to make sure that. I can at least pay for my time, pay for the, the manufacturing, pay for everything that I've invested, which is not a small sum, but to get rich off of it, I think is, is delusional. And I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems. I am trying to make sure that the four player to answer your question, the four player is sub $200. And okay. for that, um, for what you're getting, you're going to end up with so many, really large minis and this is the other problem you'll see these kickstarters and i have plenty of them on my shelf these kickstarters come out and they're like oh 200 minis and it's like 120 dollars. and i'm like oh that's crazy how can they afford that and i'll get the game in and the mini is like you know it's like oh, <laughs> they're they're, huh. they're not minis they're micros right right yeah so um the colony ship is almost seven inches tall and um every one of my the smallest miniatures in my game are 32 millimeters the medium size, and, and that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's like D&D. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Those are the smallest ones. And then the uh, vehicles are anywhere from 70 to 85 millimeter for the harvesters and the power max. And then everything else in the game is uh, almost none of it's cardboard. Almost everything is plastic. So the, um, the amount, uh, even the buildings, you know, all the, the habitat buildings and the flags and the, the you know, the, I'm actually putting in extra dice because I know what it feels like to be playing <laughs> a game and you, there's one die that everybody needs in combat or something. And it's like, like you yeah. know, 
oh, where's the one die I need? Hey, you know, hand me the die. No, I'm going to put, you know, at least two sets of dice so that when there's a fight, one person grabs their dice, the other person grabs the other dice. And it's not, oh, hey, I just rolled. Okay, here, it's your turn to roll. I'm not going to do that. I want to make sure that the player experience is as good as I can make it within reason and not go bankrupt. <laughs> right, right. So speaking of within reason and going bankrupt, uh, <laughs> is this going to be a dual layer board where the tiles go in or? All dual layer, yes. The, the I thought player- I saw that. The game board itself is actually a recessed board in the middle where all the hexes go. And that was by design from day one. I've played plenty of games where there's a bunch of hexes. Survive is one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. You know, and, you know, you're you're moving things around and you got to pick up this hex inside the thing. And then suddenly the hexes are off. And, of course, my OCD just like goes, <laughs> I got to put them back. I got to align the edges. Oh, God. And, you know, it's We're not uh, alone. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> so, um, but the thing is, is, is the game, the main game board is recessed. The main player boards are all recessed. Very heavy duty chipboard. I'm not selling for less than two and a half millimeter, which is super, super thick, chunky. Yeah. You know, everything should feel very high quality. And that's, that's absolutely one of the things I will not settle for less. And, you know, for the, for the price that you're, you're shooting for, um that high quality will make a lot i mean does it come with the launch button (laughs) it's gonna make sound (laughs) (laughs) that's all i care about (laughs) to to be fair i'm really really trying uh i've talked to a couple manufacturers and they they are saying that they can do that for me i've actually created the whole launch button i designed the whole thing in 3d it is a fully pressable button right now. And then you twist it about 20 degrees and it pops back up into its original position. So when you when you press it, I am hoping that I can, you know, I can actually have a little sound effect in there. And some of them have promised me that it's not a problem. Um, so it, it is something I really, really want. Now we are working on a retail version and the retail version would be very, very inexpensive. No miniatures, all standees. Um, that one will probably be in the seventy-five to eighty-dollar range. Again, we're we're guessing yeah, it right now, yeah. right? But that launch button will be unfortunately just a wonderful two D graphic of a launch button. So, <laughs> you gotta pack the two hundred dollar one. I need the launch uh, button. Yeah, PJ, come on. I, mean, I will pitch in. I will pitch in. If you need. Um, I like I like this. I like this. And yeah, like I was saying, uh, th- that price. If you're getting really really good quality. Um, you know, a board, good quality minis out there. Uh, the people that are really into this, the hardcore, uh, that's just going to be a bigger selling point. Yeah. Uh, I know that's the one thing that we talk about a lot is yeah. what's the quality? How does it feel? That's the first I, section of our reviews. Yeah. Is components. Like, how does it feel in your hands? I don't think we've <laughs> actually had a game yet where we both went. Eh. Aliens. Uh, that's okay. We're releasing that, that review to tonight. Yeah, that that is the only one. Uh, I I can't believe we're going to say this. It's our first review where we actually went. Eh, eh. Wait, which which game? Uh, Alien: A Glorious Day in the Core. Oh, I have it. I feel the same yeah, way. Yeah, it's actually right there. I, Another glorious day in the core. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a huge Aliens fan. Yeah, hey, me too. Specifically, I I I'm that's one of my top five movies of all time. I'm a huge yes. Star Wars guy, but. I have such a man. I have such a love for particularly the James Cameron Aliens version. I love the extended cut. I was just watching clips of it the other night. I, I oh, yeah. to it. <laughs> I was at work the um, other night. I was on second shift, 
And, you know, around like eight o'clock, I don't have anybody in the hotel. Cool. Yeah. Popped up YouTube and I was watching the three hour making of. I oh, like, I love, it's amazing. love, I love this know, movie. <laughs> Nemesis is one of my favorite games because of that reason. And Nemesis has problems. OK, there, there's no doubt that Nemesis is not a, a perfect game. However, the theme is exactly what I wanted. The gameplay style is what I wanted. And I bought uh, uh, Aliens, Another Duke Glorious Day in the, in the core. I bought it because I was like, well, it's Aliens. I got to buy it, you know? <laughs> yeah, to get exactly. It I sat and I opened that box and I sat and I glued those stupid oh, little aliens so together. Nice. And I was like, okay, this is going to be great. And the game is fine. <laughs> it's just not... You know, the 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 really it is it is like you say, the components are not what they should have been. You know, right. and they had a cheap game, and I'm sure they paid a ton of money to have that IP right and everything, oh, but yeah. God dang it, I would have paid I would have been one of the guys paying three hundred, four hundred dollars for a nemesis version of another glorious day in the core, you know? Because it was yeah, something you spent yeah. a lot of time gluing up little pieces together, right? Yeah, falling just, apart. Yeah, just cursing at oh. this. Oh. And I wanted to help, but I was like, if I walk over here, he's probably gonna stab me with the glue gun oh. or something. I had a what's, what's I was I was so watching a how to play. I was watching a how to play because after we played it for our review, the one thing we said was like we, we don't know. Did we play, did it, we play right? it right? Right, I feel the same way. Yeah, we we heard other reviews where the one guy that that he watched said, "I it's not, it doesn't feel like an alien game. It doesn't, right. it doesn't feel like this." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no." After we started playing it and thought we knew what we were doing, it felt very much like an alien game. It felt right, very right. much like you were playing the first half of the film. Sure, but I also saw a guy who was doing it that he he neglected to put the tails on because he's like, "I'm not doing this. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is too ridiculous." It was like, "It's, it's terrible." Yeah. <laughs> no tails. <laughs> Can't not have the tails though. Like, sorry. Like what honestly, because I actually took my nemesis figures and moved. <laughs> <laughs> a lot smart. of people did that or um there's yes. another there's another aliens game that has yep. like not as detailed minis but better minis you know better so minis. they yeah. substituted those into the game maybe next time we should just print our own after yeah, right. we get Seriously. your 3D printer back up and yeah. my 3D printer back up, just print Seriously. our own yeah. aliens yeah. out. Back to your game, though. Yeah, anyway, yes. Back to <laughs> I want to say yeah. that, like, the cost of yours isn't a problem. Like, I wouldn't bat an eye at that because no. PJ's like, can yes. I get frog That's statements? Permission. <laughs> right, right. But when he wanted frost haven, I was like, how much does it cost? You get one for your friend, too. Like, I didn't care. I was like, because I see how happy you are. Like, dude, getting frost haven when we did, though, because. We only paid ninety nine dollars for it Kickstarter, yeah. and retail price is two fifty now. Yes, holy cow! Ooh, man. Yeah, and I'm still... that's why I said go ahead and get one for your friend Brian because like I was like, with the yeah. cost of it, go ahead. We we Absolutely. still need to continue this game. I so we I can approve do this because that way he doesn't do drugs. You know, this is like better. <laughs> this is, yeah. And you know, it's so funny. Too. Some people, I, I drag all of some people do girls. Code. Hey, <laughs> you know, I drag all of my uh, all my friends. I'm the one that hosts game night. I've got an actual. Yeah. Uh, I, I built an entire. Yeah, there you go. So I actually had a remodel done uh, to a, a section of my house and made an entire game room out of it. And I have like a wormwood gaming table and all this. And I threw oh, all this dang, all wormwood. this stuff in there. So I've got like a nine, I've got 900 games in my collection right now on just calyxes that just span, you know, hallways and rooms and everything. So I get everybody to come over. And one of the funny things is, is everybody, everybody shows up and some of the, some of the game widows who are at home who don't really like to play games, <laughs> they want to hang out. 
they're like, this is the best thing ever because I don't have to worry about my husband. He's with Jason. Jason's a total thing bad. So, um, and of course we have plenty of, uh, plenty of the, the girls that want to come and join and get in. And, and I'll tell you too, some of the, uh, some of the women in our game group are the most aggressive players <laughs> I have ever seen. I don't know what it is. The guys are all like, you know, <laughs> and they're like, in, the oh, yeah. <laughs> in fact, the, just as a side note, there is, um, my wife's, uh, my wife's best friend named Jennifer. She is the, um, current seismic ruling champion. She has played the game. Uh, she has played the game something like 30 times. She has won like 26 of those 30 times. And the game is extremely aggressive. And she plans her turns and she does all this. I, I Whenever I sit down the player, there's already just this, this mind, like this whole like intimidation factor. And she's just all like, you know, just smiling at everybody at the table. And I'm just like, you're going to murder us all. So. <laughs> So uh, speaking of Shanna here, so she's the type of gamer who is, she will not play scythe because she's intimidated by the sight of it. Oh um, my gosh, that's a so simple how would you, So on. how would you sell your game to someone like Shanna? It's not the size that it's... <laughs> <laughs> she's told that to a lot of people. podcast i don't like a game where it takes five years to set up that drives me bonkers like yes survive i will set up because i guess it's one board there you yep. go but when i see him like spending 25 years putting all this stuff out i'm like you know what i'm gonna go have a cuppa i'm gonna go out and like get my hair did i'm gonna go get a new pair of shoes when i come back in three hours i guess we that's can right. play like that is what bothers me and that's why i had dan come over i <laughs> can play <laughs> I'll set it up too. I don't care. But he's already <laughs> sold me on this one. I will play this one because it survived on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> if I know that I get to cream Dan, like I'm, I'm in. Right, Angie? <laughs> See, yeah, awesome. Angie agrees. So one of the things about, about seismic, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. This is one of the, the problems of any big game. And it's really not unique to seismic by any means. Seismic setup is, is no joke. There's, there's time, you know, there's time that you have to set aside to do it. I will easily say the setup uh, without exaggeration is probably about 20 minutes. Um, if you're doing it by yourself, obviously, as, oh, as the saying goes. That's doable for us. You know, as the saying goes, many hands make for light work, right? So the whole point is, is that if you've got three, four, five, six people who are going to sit down and play this game, clearly the setup is very quick, okay? It, it'll, it'll happen much, much sooner. Uh, you can actually have a game set up in about 10 minutes with six people or five people even. So not really a problem, but my game is, um, you know, there's 127 hexes, okay, that have to be placed in that main board. You've got all of your miniatures, you've got your three pieces of your main board and then a faction board to choose. The, the, the good news is my, um, my setup, unlike many other games out there, is more brute force. It's just grab this deck, shuffle it, set it on the table. Grab these tokens, pour them out into a pile on the table. It's <laughs> not, okay, take this deck and this deck and three of these cards from here and six tokens, turn these tokens uh -huh. over and then take these mm -hmm. six cards, shuffle these into the third bottom of this deck and then set these. It's none of that, okay? <laughs> oh, so, my God. It's not, yeah, and let me tell you, I think that setup, even if it's less time, I find those kind of games 
horrible to set up because I'm like, why is it like this? You know, <laughs> so, um, the biggest setup of, of seismic literally is putting the 127 hexes in the main board. And again, this, this is a, a five to seven minute, you know, yeah. test by a single person. But setting up your boards, putting your little cube out and taking your 10 cards and tossing them on there. Really, it's it's also setting your minis out. You each person has 27 minis, I think now. 27 different miniatures. You got to pour them out of the bag or get them out of your little vacuum thing. And, but each person is responsible for that. And my goal, have you guys ever have you guys seen Foundations of Rome by Arcane Wonder? Oh, yeah. I've heard I've seen it. Seen it. Okay, but you haven't you haven't seen have you ever seen an unboxing of it? Have you have you seen the, the minis in it? The the buildings are gorgeous. But yes. if not, no big deal. So it's like there, Baron Park, by the way, but with like everything is a 3D mini. Yes. Ooh, it, it's okay, like, like yes. three hundred dollar Baron Park is what the shame <laughs> basically, is. Basically, yes, basically. And see, I'll play Baron Park if you set it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, but anyway, again, in... I will play it if you set it up for me. <laughs> In um, in the uh, uh, oh my gosh, what the heck? Uh, Foundations of Rome. In Foundations of Rome, each player gets their entire own vacuum formed tray with all of their miniatures in it, and mm -hmm. you just pull it out and you set it in front of the player, and you're done. And you take the the clear plastic lid off. That is my hope for seismic mm -hmm. setup. Is you know you put put the board out, put the hexes out, and then here's your stuff, Mister Player Number One. Here's your stuff, Mr. Player number two. So I am trying to make sure the setup is as easy as possible. Going back to Eclipse, like that's the same route they took with second yes. edition. Just the second tray, edition. Is, tray. Yes, it's so I wonderful. play that game too. And I, knowing you, <laughs> we'll have that one. even if like... we, even if it didn't come like that, knowing you, you'd make it happen. I would print one. Yeah. yeah. He has I... a thing about printing boxes. Star Wars Rebellion's next, where you can buy, you can download like a cabinet with drawers in it for all yeah. your units in rebellion yeah and you get a cabinet for really? imperial and a cabinet for the rebels so that's my next job that i'm printing you take one half i'll take the other right yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome i love rebellion immensely tired just to that <laughs> so going back so you uh plans are for an insert but are you like is that still in the works or is that like <gasps> a go Doggy. Sorry. Hi, honey. Hi. <laughs> What's your name? That's River. Hi, River. Oh my goodness. It came to visit. Um, we are working on inserts right now. Trying, this is like when we have our cats, like on on we do Zoom. Yeah, like when we're teachers, teachers, like it's all here's my cat. Oh, here's, yes, my cat. here's my dog. Here's <laughs> here's my hamster. <laughs> oh my goodness. How can you not pet that face? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, don't, don't you ever apologize for dogs and cats. Are you kidding? Um. <laughs> so uh, we are working on the insert. Uh, I'm. Uh, I have not chosen a manufacturer yet, but when I choose the manufacturer, that's going to be um, the goal. Is is to try to figure out the best possible box and setup scenario that I can. I yeah, heard okay. nothing because I'm watching River fall asleep, <laughs> but he heard it. It's okay. Yes. Exactly. I was paying attention. <laughs> Don't leave River. Oh, oh. yay! <laughs> oh, Angie, come look at this dog. Angie. Come here, River. Look, River. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Angie refuses to get on screen, but we always oh, love the comments in the background. Yep. <laughs> 
So uh, even though this one is not in the works, I need to know about your first design where it looked like King of the Hill. Oh, uh, yeah. Cardboard boxes and and all that. I, I need yes. to hear about this game. I had such a, you know, I had such such an, a, a, a vivid imagination for my first design. And, you know, <laughs> now I know so much, so much better. But, you know, I was I kept telling myself when I first started designing a game, I said, why is it that nobody's really using verticality? You know, every, everything on a board game is just two dimensional. It's just flat. Why are we not doing things up? Well, there's a reason for that because you can't see across the table, you know. And there's there's a variety of other problems. But the original design, just in a nutshell, the original design design was called Ascension. The theme made no sense whatsoever, but I'll I'll explain it anyway because I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking kind of an Indiana Jones kind of idea. The idea was going to be um, these were were traps. There were nine traps, and so. You had basically, you were trying to ascend to be the, you know, the god, you know, of whatever the civilization or whatever it was. And you were fighting among all these other gods. And so the idea was, is you were fighting and you had no idea when the next platform would drop. And these were, um, these were traps that would be triggered in, in various events. And so you would drop in any units that were not in the... Uh, if you were on the outer ring, you would you would be fighting a lot on the inner areas, but on the outer ring, <laughs> on the outer ring, you would uh, you would be safe. So when you drop uh, the Good next pictures of your game, oh, oh awesome! Lord. <laughs> so when you would drop the next section, the units would actually be stuck inside there, and um, only certain kinds of units could actually elevate to the next level. They would tunnel from where they currently are on the bottom level into the next level. And they would continue fighting. And so basically throughout the game, you would, it was again, it was kind of an engine destroyer kind of idea. And the idea would be each level would drop and it would get taller and taller and taller, but the board was getting smaller. So it was almost like a Fortnite, a Warzone, you know, um, Apex Legends style idea where the map is just getting smaller. But in this case, instead of me breaking the map away, it was these bizarre tower ideas. Yeah. I I, I love the idea. My wife humored me. Some friends came over and they humored me and they were like, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> out loud it is a really cool idea. And seeing the board, it's like, that look like it's intriguing. It, it is great. It presence, is, you know, I, it, it I, sounds I like I have the board still. <laughs> it, it, it really sounds like you're creating Jenga. It, it, it is. Yes. You're building, it, you're it, building it, the yeah. tower. Yes, it really was. It was basically Jenga. Yes. Jenga with that. Playing a 3D chess for a little bit there. <laughs> How do you yeah. on the three levels? <laughs> I like that though. I mean, like, it, it's interesting. Um, it's just a shame that you you couldn't get it to actually work you know there's he, here's what's really crazy I, I this again it's it's this is not a boast by any means this is just a fact really it's not a boast i have probably thrown away now because i i'm i'm my own worst critic i have thrown away probably more mechanics than many games i've played even have and I don't think that's that's unique to me. I think that's pretty common in designing games. Yeah. You know, well, you yeah, in any design, you're going to have that that kind of course. Thing. But that was just one design. I have probably, God, 
I, I have probably 20 different combat, uh, combat uh, mechanics that I've designed, played with, and liked, and then just decided it wasn't right for seismic. And I, I mean, I've got all this stuff. I've, a, I've got a Google Drive. I'm a digital pack rat, so I literally keep <laughs> everything. I actually call my game right now, um, I, I call it like software. It's like uh, my current version is beta. It's, it's beta 8. 0.2.89 and that all actually means something and so <laughs> these are i have literally every single um every single player board from day one every design all the way forward i have all of the different approaches all the different card layouts everything every single thing that um i've done is all saved on this google drive that google drive is 430 gigs so um, just that one folder for Seismic. And I've got other games that I've kind of worked on as well in there. It's just absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. That's, that's a lot of data. It's hard to filter through. It really <laughs> Even I have to like search for things and go, where did I put that? So. <laughs> I have lots of grad school stuff. I don't know how many gigs it is. <laughs> My right. stuff's boring though. Yeah, geez, even my college stuff only took up maybe like five if I was lucky. Because we're acting the whole time. Wow. Yes. Acting. <laughs> uh, in terms of Kickstarter, are you planning on any exclusives or things that will be exclusive, but then you could purchase later or like uh, how? What the launch you... button. The launch button. So we have a we have a variety of of stretch goals and a variety of things that we're kind of talking about. A lot of this is still a bit uh, flexible at the moment. We mm -hmm. you know clearly the launch button you know being able to be pressed with sound and all that. We're we're really hoping to have that. Um, you know that would obviously be a Kickstarter exclusive. That's not something that you could you know ever produce retail. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a variety of things. The, the mountains, um, the 3D mountains are one part of it that I really, really, really want in there. And believe it or not, for me, that's not just bling in the game. I mean, sure, does it look nice? Is it cool? Yes. I mean, I love it. But it really is another visual reminder that people cannot move units onto those X's. So mm -hmm. if it's just a graphic of a mountain, people might count that as a move or something across the board. And I'm like... Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make sure that people understand not only is this an, an actual mechanical obstacle in the game, but it's a physical one on the board because everything in the game is is a physical representation. And it, it it's a um, it drives home the point of how that unit functions or how it operates and, and why it's designed that way. Also, one of the things, having said that, is is there's these combat markers and you may have seen them in some of the graphics. There's a like a little uh, it's almost like my. My daughter kind of calls it like my wand. It's like this little red wand, and it's a but it's a <laughs> combat marker, and it it only sticks into soldiers and power max. So there's a hole in the back of those miniatures, and it's it's very subtle. You don't hardly see it unless you go to place it in there. That is to remind players that you can't start a fight with any other unit type. So you when you start a fight, you move the unit in, and you have to immediately place a combat marker in there. If there's no hole in that unit, you know, well, you, you've made a mistake. You've read rules wrong or you're doing something you can't do. Hmm. So everything in the game is like that. So right. the um, having said that, the mountains, I am trying to do the water hexes. Uh, the lakes are kind of the same thing. You can't move over them or through them. Uh, so I want to create like these cool, clear 
water uh, uh, hexes that are about that tall that would actually sit on top of the yeah. of the um, uh, you know the chipboard. There's a few other odds and ends, um, you know, and and to really to be honest, the the game that you see in a lot of the pictures is the exclusive. That is a game that is not going to be retail, obviously, after after the fact. Yeah. I will probably have some copies maybe to sell after the Kickstarter through either a web store or something like that. But the the exclusive part of it most likely will be this is a, a Kickstarter exclusive game. The retail version, if there's enough interest from distributors and enough interest through the actual campaign, then that will be an option that people can buy. And then hopefully if there's a lot of good feedback about the retail version, because it'll play exactly the same, but if there's good feedback and people really like it and there's enough demand for, you know, for, for a reprint or something of the larger game, then that would be my, my best hope. So, That's but lots idea. of things, keep, keep your eyes out on the campaign. We do have a long list. I, I'll get it all that at some point, but even now I, I, it's so, it's so, nebulous i can't hardly ever uh, can't even answer it yet <laughs> yeah uh the launch button is non-negotiable <laughs> i agree i think she's telling you something pj i think we have to get this version of the game uh, oh, sucks. oh no mm, oh no whatever we're going to do <laughs> right well, if i give you my money now can i get a prototype <laughs> right the launch button <laughs> It's in Paris. Get have him give us the elevator pitch. What would he say to oh, get someone? Yeah. That's my favorite well, thing. Well, that, that was one thing that I started to ask about you. Like for so, or you know, like obviously you said you will play, but for people who are apprehensive of playing this, like so, how would you sell it to someone who is not used to, or would you say this is not for those kind of people? Well, you know, it's interesting. So, uh, Shannon, you said something earlier about um, uh, a game a game being too, you know, like you so you look at it and you just go, oh, I, I don't have I don't have the energy or the brain power to sit I down. I don't like meticulous things. That's my problem. Exactly. So let me let me give you the same pitch that I give so many people, particularly at conventions, because one of my big problems with the game, of course, is it looks overwhelming. And I, I understand that. I mean, it, it looks like there's no way that anybody's going to sit down and want to learn to play this. I can tell you that I um, I taught a group of teachers that had only ever played Uno. No exaggeration. No <laughs> exaggeration. I taught a group of teachers, five players in the game. They had only ever played Uno. By the third turn, they were cutthroat going going in they understood the game they knew the goal they oh. knew what they were doing and um i gave basically a 15 minute rules teach and they were off to the races so there is i've been asking people at the last few cons that i've been at i've been asking what would you rate the complexity weight for seismic after having played it and so um the complexity rating has been falling anywhere from three to 3.5 most of the time actually arrowing closer uh to three out and so uh, out of five that's right okay. I'm, I'm talking about the BGG, bgg scale yeah so you know when you look at games like like side for example it's in that same range the 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 thing is what i've done with the game I hate rule book flippers. And what I mean by that is a game where, you know, you're, you've, you've read the rule book, you sit down, you start learning the game. And then it's like, 
okay, you, 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 you can move this guy. Well, how many does he move? Okay, well, hold on. Let me grab the rule book. Uh, <laughs> none of that. Like was last week. Uh-huh, sounds yes. familiar, yeah. So, personally, I think that's bad design. You know, I, I, I think that everything should be accessible by the player. The, the second thing is, is my game has such a huge table presence and such a, it's such a table hog that I didn't want to do player aids on top of it. So what I did is I put the rule book in front of you. Every pertinent piece of information to play the game is either on the card or on the player board. There is okay. literally nothing. Once you know how to play the game, there was literally no piece of data that you should ever need to go back to the actual rule book for it. So the reason that that is so important is because a game that has so many different units and each unit has a different uh, amount of attributes, each faction, there's 18 different factions in the game and they all have three or four different abilities. There are all kinds of, of abilities on the player board. They're, everything is spelled out. I, I despise games, and I know why they do it, but I despise games that rely on nothing but this entire iconography language. And you've got, you know, right. it's like learning a whole new set of hieroglyphics every time you sit down to play a game. And, you know, if, if it's good, then they make sense within context of that game universe and you're, you're okay, you can get through it. But when they're bad, the game is unplayable, you know, yeah, and right. it's just a disaster. So, so everything in my game is written out in plain English in, in the most succinct way that you possibly can. And that sucks for translations. And I know that going in, if I translate the game to German or Italian or French or Mandarin or Spanish, it's going to be a nightmare to do it. But that's not my target audience right now. And I'm hoping right. that there's enough yeah. interest internationally that I can do that. But I wanted to make sure that, that you know, the target audience of, you know, English speakers that are mostly the, the gaming market right now, I'm hoping because English, you know, is so universal on so many games across the world. Um, I never want to force English on, on our international audience members. It's just the problem is trying to do manufacturing is so hard for multiple, multiple <laughs> right. for, particularly right. for a game of this size. Yeah. But uh, I am planning on doing the uh, the manual in, uh, you know, the rule book in, in PDF form and various languages if I can. But there is nice. so much content on the cards and it literally tells you what to do. So there's nothing that you ever have questions of while you're playing the game. So the sales pitch of like, why should you play it or, or how hard is it to play or whatever? I can, I can teach the game and a single turn, everybody has the same 10 cards and it's 10 action cards and there's six unit cards. You've already seen the units. I've talked about the units. And then you have four tactic cards and the tactic cards are recruit, uh, put new units out on the board, upgrade, make small units into big units, um, <laughs> battle, you know, so battle is fight all your battles on the board all at once. And then the last one's called negotiate. And negotiate is uh, kind of a catch-all for a variety of different things, mostly hostage negotiation. So, um, <laughs> but that's it. Can I so, please have that person back? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do not negotiate with terrorists, okay? <laughs> no, and, and that's really great. See, that actually answers one of the questions that I was going to have was, gotcha. um, was there a quick reference uh, like a quick reference guide, but the if everything's spelled out right on the board, that's great. And uh, one of our other interviews, we talked to uh, a couple from was it Hungary, right? Yeah, and they were saying that where they are, they have a big industry where 
they're, they're the big thing there is taking all of these board games from other countries and translating them. And right. that's what they uh, it just because, has to be a big name. Yeah, it just has it. to be yes. a big name. But like they're getting out there so they can get all of these other games out to the rest of the world, which yes, if your game catches on, like we really hope you do. Um yeah. that's an avenue that you can take almost immediately. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I've been approached by three different language translation uh entities right now, and um we're kind of talking about what to do because the minimum order quantity for one plate change, meaning like a whole, you know, a whole change for art and everything, mm -hmm. the minimum order quantity really is, is no less than 2000. So the mm -hmm. problem is, is I would need 2000 copies in just a single language. So right. that's, that's a tough call, you know, for yeah. particularly for a game of this magnitude, but yeah. if it hits big enough, you know, it's something that I can offer as a late pledge um, and maybe even late campaign, if, if it really does hit big, hopefully then I'll get enough interest and suddenly somebody will go, you know, I'll, I'll do the translation. I'll pay for the minimum order quantity. Please just make it in this, in this kind of, you know, in this language. So, and I would be more than happy to do that, but I've, I've got to have that demand, you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, going to the rule book and all that, um, how, uh, how was it to develop the rule book and did that, uh and what was <laughs> I, i'm sure that was tied to like playtesting in some kind and so how did the playtesting go as well playtesting started off early on um i never really got bad feedback there was um out of about 600 playtests i got two uh two different people and i mean it, it broke my heart because i was like oh my god really you don't like it so um i had two people that were adamantly adamantly against the uh, style of the game. They did not like the game. And um, they felt like there was too, too much randomness. And what I did is I tried to get rid of random, randomness and I, I actually gave more players more agency over time. And so the feedback, you know, and that's one of the things too is, is developing a game, particularly for this amount of years, to say that I'm the designer is really kind of a misnomer. I really feel like I'm I'm the the shepherd of everybody else's feedback. You know, I'm the facilitator of all of the combined uh, feedback and input from all these various people. So you know, the game now in its current iteration and everything that um, everything that the game is is how the rule book kind of also followed that same path, the evolution of the, of the game and the evolution of the rule book. The final rule book for me to actually send out prototype copies broke me. Oh, I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote the rule book. I, I have, um, have 18 versions of the rule book. And I, uh, the first version was 36 pages. And the rule book now is um, down to 16 pages. And only 12 of those actually have rules. <laughs> so, wow. so I feel like I did really, really well on that. And I, I went I went at it about 20 different ways because it's not a procedural game. And that's the problem is most games are like, okay, here's how you do a phase and here's how you do it again. And yeah. Then, you know, and then when you're done here, go back to step one and, you know, you can do it all over yeah. again. Most Euros are like that, you know, but yeah. my game has so many interactive elements and everything is so... Guess who's back? Everything is so. Um, He's doing. <laughs> so everything is so um, interactive and and tied 
that uh, the um, writing a rule book is very difficult because nothing is at the beginning. You know, it's it's every right. it's like you kind of have to know everything to know everything. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's a very, very difficult teach. I have to kind of always just start and say, look, I'm about to just vomit a bunch of info at you. I know you're not going to but here it comes. And so that's a lot of times what happens is there's just so much data and it's not procedural. And you kind of have to know a little bit of everything to really get your first play in. But like I said, two, three turns into a game and most people like go, oh my God, this is way easier than I ever thought it was going to be. And so that's my, that's my biggest compliment from somebody that plays the game is just going, I thought this game was going to be a beast. I thought it was going to be overwhelming. And you know what? By the end, I was like, oh my gosh, this game is so simple. It's so straightforward. And yet I feel like I have so much more control than most games I've ever played. So those are the kind of things that I just love to hear. And that, and of course, it's six years of evolution to have gotten to this point. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, unfortunately, we're getting short on time here. Uh, yes. We have hungry children upstairs. But uh, <laughs> I have two tiny questions for you. This should, sure. uh, so first, uh, the map tiles, like the hexes. Yes. Are there any like specific orders that they'll have to go into, or is it completely random? So when you build the, the map, and I'm sure you've probably seen the... <laughs> the pictures <laughs> the, um, <laughs> hey, no. done yet. Keep so um when you look at the pictures the map is broken into six pie slices of terrains uh -huh. and so each of those terrains is completely randomized you flip all those hexes of say the rocky terrain and the number of hexes and the type of hexes are identical from one terrain to the next so there's no starting position that is, you know, more lucrative than another. Everybody has three mountains, one lake, four crystal spaces, oh, yeah. and you have the same number of habitats, but they're going to be arranged in a, in a variety of different orders. And so right. that's what keeps everything different every game. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so, yeah, so that it, it, the player board is always very, very different. Sometimes you can have like a huge mountain range. Uh, other times you'll have one mountain scattered, you know, three mountains scattered. Right. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. My last question for you before we wrap it up is what yeah. games are you playing right now that you're just loving? Oh boy. Last night we played, um, Betrayal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, last night, uh, I'm oh the spokesperson God. for Betrayal. I don't get paid, but I would like to be. <laughs> I will, I will actually tell you, I track all my plays, and um, this is so sad that my memory is so bad, I can't even tell you. We played Comet last night. Um, we played uh, Ankh last week, um, Ankh, Gods of Egypt. Um, we played, I played Micro Macro Crime City with my kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is a brand new Kickstarter that came out recently uh, called Thurgy, and I might be mispronouncing that. Very good game. I like the game quite a bit. We had some rules questions, but again, a little plug for whoever made that game. I backed it. Love the game. Um, some of the other games, I played Endless Winter recently. Oh, you know, it was, it was fine. It's a <laughs> lot of mechanics. Um, Warp Gate Beyond is made by, uh, hmm. and I'm going to destroy his name, Ar uh, Archim Parov. Oh, God, it's terrible. His, I, I don't even, I forget what uh, what nationality is. He made uh, some other games that I really, really like. And um, he gave, he made a game called Warpgate Beyond. Warpgate has a very similar feel, a little bit like Seismic. 
there's a there's what I call more randomness in it than I liked, but I think we might need to play it again before I make any good determinations. But those are some of the games that I'm currently playing. I love Kickstarters. They're coin, they show, show up at my house about every week. You know, it seems like. yeah. so, um, I'm always playing some of the latest Kickstarters, and I do I do show a lot of love to some of these 500 backer you know Kickstarter games that don't get you know the big hype. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love to see you know all these smaller projects as well. I I want to I want to see everybody you know have their their uh, passion projects come to life. So I've got all kinds of oddballs. People are like, "What game is this? I've never heard of this." And I'm like, "I was one of 87 backers. Let's try it out." You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, we really love talking with you, and I really Absolutely. appreciate uh, the opportunity to hear about this game some more. And Definitely. I'm looking forward to it even more now. I really enjoyed awesome. being River. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. You guys can interview him next week. He's working on a game, too. Hi, his dog. What is your favorite? Bones and balls. I got to speak dog here, so uh, give me about a week. No, don't scare him away. I want him to be my best friend. <clears throat> well, awesome. thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for you guys reaching out to me. I love it. I, I love to, you know, talk about just games in general, not just mine. You know, I'm, I'm just so wonderful. You know, so glad that people think my game is wonderful and, and uh, that people actually want to talk about it. So I, I, I'm more than appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's, that's that's it for us. Yeah, thank for you us. again we'll for coming on the show. Next week. Next so week. Fun, the show, in a week. Yep, yep. Next week. Sounds great. All right. I really appreciate it. I'll look forward to, to hearing it. I hope it, uh, hope it reaches all kind of people. So Yes. And uh, Seismic is on uh, Tabletop Simulator as well for anyone who wants it to is. It is absolutely the rule book is embedded in the mod. You can actually oh, yeah, uh, yes, we're gonna have to play this. Hands already. <laughs> I actually do. Uh, I do Discord teaches as well. If you um, if you actually okay. are interested, I'll uh, I'll do a, a teach over Discord. I play the game. I do uh, teaches with people all the time, and the game is a direct one to one correlation. But it's scripted, which is even better. It plays oh, very man. fast, and it's uh, the guy who did the mod is excellent. He's amazing. So if you guys are more than interested, let me know. I'll we'll, uh, love to go through a, a, a whole play with you. Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely message you at some point then for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. So uh, yeah, th thank you again. It's been wonderful talking with you. Yeah. Uh, have Absolutely. a have a great campaign will be right there with you the whole time good luck awesome all right thanks so much guys take care